On April 17, 2017, 1,500 Palestinian political prisoners launched an open-ended hunger strike. The prisoners represent every major political party and faction coming together under the single banner of freedom and dignity. Nearly an entire month later, the prisoners remain without food, and many are suffering severe health effects of going so long without eating. They are led by longtime political prisoner Marwan Barghouti, who has been compared to Nelson Mandela in South Africa. Mandela served 23 years in prison in the notorious Robben Island facility. He was released and elected president in 1994 and helped lead the country of South Africa out of the era of apartheid and segregation and into democracy. The Palestinian prisoners engaging in the hunger strike put together a list of demands. As of this report, the Israeli government has made no effort to mediate or talk with the prisoners or to respond in any way to their demands. Instead, the Israeli government has attempted to bring in foreign doctors to force-feed the prisoners, but international regulations have so far prevented them from doing that. Israeli doctors have refused to force-feed the prisoners, saying that force-feeding constitutes torture and is thus a violation of their medical code of ethics. The main demands of the prisoners include ending the policy of solitary confinement, ending the practice of administrative detention in which prisoners are held without charges for extended periods of time, installing telephones for Palestinian detainees in the prisons to communicate with their families, allowing visits from family and friends to the prisoners, including visits from children under age 16, shutting down the Ramla Prison Hospital and replacing it with a facility that provides adequate medical care for the prisoners, including surgeries and specialized care, without charging medical care to the account of the prisoner. Responding to the needs and demands of Palestinian female detainees. Treating the prisoners humanely during transport. Providing the prisoners with television channels in the language they actually speak and understand. Restoring kitchens inside the prisons to allow for the preparation of fresh food, and allowing detainees to have books and newspapers to study and to be allowed to graduate high school while in prison. The hunger strike, beginning on Palestinian Prisoners' Day, April 17th, came just after a report was released showing that Israeli authorities have detained one million Palestinians since 1948. This hour, we examine the hunger strike in more depth, exploring why this hunger strike is taking place and what the situation is of Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. We'll hear from the head of the Prisoner Support Committee in Nablus, Raed Amr, and Israeli activist Miko Peled. In addition, we'll draw the connections between a hunger strike in the immigration detention facility in the state of Washington in the U.S. this April and the Palestinian hunger strike that is ongoing in a number of Israeli-run prisons. First, we go to Raed Amr, who has been a major supporter of the hunger strike and is based in Nablus in the West Bank. The interview was conducted in Arabic. The translation is voiced over the original interview. Things you read about me in the New York Times Almost 200 days without any bite While I'm withering away in my prison cell All you read about is the game of buy and sell In Wall Street, they don't know the way I resist If they knew, they'd be shocked at the way I insist Freedom and human rights are on my list I want to live, breathe, move, hell I want to exist If I had an army, I'd set it up to defend Our villages, our towns, till the very 
very end But I'm cut off from the world So there's no supplies They call resistance terrorism But you know these are lies If my eyes are blindfolded My body in chains Stuck away behind bars Only thing that remains To refuse to be fed From a racist thief's den To refuse to be treated Like a sheep in their pen I'm hungry For freedom and rights I'm hungry That's the way that I fight مرحبا جميع المستمعين انا معايا الاخ رائد عامر مدير العلاقات الدوليه لنادي الاسير الفلسطيني Hello everyone, we are joined today by Mr. Raed Amr, the head of the Prisoner Support Committee in Nablus. Today we would like to ask you about the hunger strike, which the prisoners have undertaken for more than 25 days, beginning on April 17th. What is the situation of the prisoners now? إيش التبعات لهذا الإضراب بالنسبة حتى للأسرة والأجسادهم؟ نعم يعني أولاً الإضراب بدأ في 17 نيسان دخلوا ما يقارب 1700 The hunger strike began on the 17th of April with over 1,500 participants. The goal of the strike is to achieve the prisoners' humanitarian demands. They are asking to have the same rights as any other prisoner in the world. Their demands are first to allow their families to visit them without glass barriers or locked rooms, to allow their children to kiss their imprisoned parents. Secondly, the, the problem of medical care in Israeli prisons. There is a huge disregard for the health and medical care of the prisoners. They don't provide medicines to the sick prisoners. A third demand is related to the prisoners who are in solitary confinement. They are in harsh conditions in these cells. They want to be able to talk and speak with the other prisoners. All of these problems led to this hunger strike. And now, after almost 26 days, the Israeli prison authority refuses to negotiate with the prisoners. We hope they will come around and negotiate, but until now there hasn't been any news about that. In addition to refusing to negotiate, Israel has not responded to any of the international organization's calls to meet the prisoners' demand. And from here, we are calling on the international community to pressure Israel to meet these demands, because before everything else, their demands are basic human rights. Thank you. It's clear that anywhere else in the world these demands would not exist because these things are already considered human rights. Unfortunately, the Palestinian prisoners are not just political prisoners, but they are political prisoners under an occupied force. Palestinian prisoners are suffering a lot with regard to their health. Can you tell us about their medical and health conditions over these past 26 days? To those who don't know anything about the hunger strike, the prisoners do not receive any food, liquids, or any form of, of sustenance. The only thing they receive is water and salt. And they receive salt to keep their stomachs from shrinking and collapsing. And they don't drink anything but water. After the fourth day, they start losing weight. Most of the prisoners have lost from 10 to 15 kilograms over the past three weeks. 
and their health is in extreme danger. They cannot move, they cannot walk. With all of these conditions, the Israeli prisoner authority refuses to take the prisoners to the hospital. The few they took to the hospital were given false hopes for a possible negotiation after they broke their hunger strike. The only solution for the Palestinian prisoner hunger strike issue is for the Israelis to accept their demands, which is part of international human rights. هذا حيكون الحل كبير لكل مشاكلنا على فكرة إنه إسرائيل توافق على صلنا. This would be the best solution for the Palestinians for Israel to stop its oppression and abide by international law. Could you tell us how we can help the Palestinian prisoners, especially for people outside of Palestine? يعني كيف إحنا ممكن نساعد الأسرة ناس جوا فلسطين وناس برا فلسطين يعني As the head of the International Support Committee in Nablus, we organize events with the international diaspora, including in the Arab world, in Europe, and in other Islamic countries and elsewhere. We help them with events and cultural festivals to highlight the Palestinian prisoner issue. We are not talking about a political issue as much as a humanitarian issue. What we are doing is trying to connect the voice of the prisoners and their families with the rest of the world. To achieve this, we also do visits, meetings, interviews, and festivals all over the world. Thank you so much for your work in the U.S. and elsewhere right now on social media and on the streets. There's been a lot of support for the Palestinian political prisoners' hunger strike. The most famous of these is the saltwater challenge that hundreds of young people are participating in to show support for the prisoners. Again, thank you so much, Ra'ed, for all the work you do. Hopefully we'll meet you soon. And all the political prisoners in a free Palestine. تحدي المية والملح وإحنا بنحيي جهودك أخرائد وإحنا نتمنى لك التوفيق ونتمنى نسمع أخبار حلوة عن الأسرة وإن شاء الله نتلاقى جميعا في فلسطين المحررة That's the way that I fight I'm hungry A prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged, never tried By the damn Fort Reich I'm hungry For freedom and rights I'm hungry That's the way that I fight I'm hungry A prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged, never tried By the damn Fort Reich I'm hungry For freedom and rights I'm hungry That's the way that I fight I'm hungry A prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged, never tried By the damn Fort Reich
You are listening to a special program on the Palestinian hunger strike, which began on the 17th of April 2017 and continues at the time of this report with over 1,500 Palestinian prisoners engaging in the strike. Currently, there are over 6,500 Palestinians in Israeli prisons, 300 of whom are children. Israeli authorities have tried to break the hunger strike by putting the organizers in solitary confinement, taking away the salt the prisoners have been putting in the water, and publishing a video that they claimed showed the strike leader Marwan Barghouti eating. Supporters called the video a fake and said that it is ridiculous propaganda which shows the depths to which Israel will sink to try to discredit and undermine the hunger strike. A group of Israeli right-wingers, along with soldiers, decided to hold a barbecue outside Ofer prison where many of the hunger strikers are imprisoned. Here's part of an RT report about that event in which political analyst Mo Ansar from Manchester, England, talks about the barbecue, which was set up to mock the hunger-striking prisoners. Barghouti, who has been in uh, Israeli prisons for some 15 years, who triggered the hunger strike originally, said that hunger striking is the most peaceful form of resistance available. It inflicts pain solely on those who participate and on their loved ones in the hopes that their empty stomachs and their sacrifice will help the message resonate beyond the confines of their dark cells. And in response to this, Israeli activists thought it would be nice and funny and clever to inflict more cruelty on these people who are starving to death in prisons by wafting uh, smells and aromas and cooking in front of them and mocking them. I think, it's, uh, I think it's abhorrent. There is a major, major civil rights and human rights catastrophe in Israel with the increasing human rights abuses against uh, Palestinian prisoners. Barghouti wrote an op-ed in the New York Times just recently where he talked about uh, deaths, tortures, uh, inhumane treatment, uh, removal of family visitation rights, the fact that lawyers are not able to defend their uh, clients. And let's remember, some of these clients are 10, 12, 14-year-old kids. Kids who have been in prison for what? Throwing stones at tanks and throwing stones at armed uh, military police. So, you know, there are, there are major questions being asked by Amnesty and others around the world at the increasing human rights violations against these Palestinian prisoners. And I think we need a solution. That was Mo Ansar from Manchester, England. Solidarity actions in support of the hunger-striking prisoners have been held in cities around the world, including thousands of people engaging in one-day fasts and hundreds taking the saltwater challenge issued by the son of strike leader Marwan Barghouti to drink a glass of salt water on camera. Next, we'll hear from Israeli political analyst Miko Peled, who grew up as an Israeli Zionist, but as an adult became aware of the Palestinian people suffering and is now an anti-Zionist. about my people if there's one thing we ain't it is sheeple why would we give up on our land and allow its theft because greed is their creed there'll be nothing left we want justice how is that too much to ask you won't touch this because you're not up to the task go ahead and lie and call our enemy civilized it won't matter no more when victory strikes i'm hungry for freedom and rights i'm hungry that's the way that i fight I'm hungry, prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged, never tried by the damn fourth right
We are very honored to be joined today by Miko Peled, who is the author of The General's Son and uh, is an Israeli born and raised in Israel and has has uh, quite an interesting analysis of the situation there. We're talking today about the hunger strike. You have written uh, a couple of articles about it. Uh, and I wonder if we could start with the what you had written about the uh, families of the the Palestinians, the article choking the families of Palestinians, the move by the Israeli defense minister declaring the Palestinian National Fund a terrorist organization. It's a, an aspect of the hunger strike that hasn't been brought up much. And I wonder if you could talk about that. Yes, it's you know it's um, it all goes to the uh, it all goes back to this idea that anything that Palestinians do, anything that's related to Palestinian resistance, is uh, has to be terrorism. And so um, when Palestinians are incarcerated, um, the Palestinian National uh, Fund was a conduit through which money was given to their families, support was given to their families. Um, and this is something that's been that was been going on before the PA. In other words, Palestinian prisoners, the families of prisoners were always taken care of by the various Palestinian organizations, national organizations. Um, and so, the this is uh, in, in, in a recent move, the Israeli Defense Minister Lieberman declared it a terrorist network, a terrorist organization. And the reasoning is that if these people are in prison, then they must be terrorists because Israel says so. And because and if they're terrorists, they don't deserve money. They don't deserve support. Their families deserve to die hungry. And so what they do is they they conflate support for the families of prisoners, who are actually all political prisoners, um, and their very incarceration is in violation of international law. They conflate that with terrorism, and they say, well, it's terrorism. So if these guys are going to get, if their families are going to get money, then that's an incentive for them to commit more acts of terror. Now, this is very similar to something happened here in the United States in uh, 2000, in uh, 2001, the Holy Land Foundation closed down. The Holy Land Foundation was the largest Muslim charity in America. It was run by Palestinians. And one of their programs was support for the families of prisoners. They started working uh, during the first Intifada when Israel was, detaining many, many thousands of Palestinians, and there was a need because, you know, families uh, needed support. And that same that same um, claim came up in their trial, saying, well, if they're giving money to the families of these terrorists, then, of course, they're encouraging terrorism. So that's the rationale, and it's, 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 a, it's a, such a draconian move because, number one, these people are not terrorists. Number two... The families don't need to suffer, and if the Palestinians can come up with the money, it's not like Israel has to pay the money. The Palestinians are coming up with the funds, and we're not talking about huge amounts of money either. These are pretty meager, um, pretty meager uh, stipends that they're getting. Um, but that's that's the but that's the rationale. It's always it's always um, criminalizing anything that has to do with with giving legitimacy to the Palestinian resistance. Well, and I think in most cases, it is the uh, main breadwinner of the family that has been taken to prison. And so the support is generally for the, the children. Of course, it's for the families. Yes, it's for the families. It's for the families. The, the, the fund also gives kind of stipends to former prisoners as well for serving time. 
because many of them come out injured from the torture and the beatings and so forth and aren't able to work or they have you know huge medical needs because of uh, you know they have they have a need for ongoing medical care because of the torture because of the the incredibly harsh and inhumane conditions in which Israel has placed them while they were in prison so they um the fund also provided funds for uh former prisoners and uh so that is going on right now in the midst of this hunger strike that is entering its fourth week and there are uh 1,500 Palestinians that are involved in this hunger strike. I, I think it's one of the largest uh, in in uh, the history of, of Palestinian prisoner resistance uh, and is, is ongoing at this point. Now, you yourself have been a supporter of the, the Palestinian hunger strikers, long-term hunger striker Samar Isawi, who survived 266 days without food. You went to the grave of Bobby Sands, who was an IRA prisoner in Ireland. And I wonder if you could talk about the connections that you see there between the Irish hunger strikers in the 70s and what's happening now with the Palestinian prisoners. Well, sadly, the, 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 you know, you just mentioned it and it gives me goosebumps. The, um, the Irish hunger strikers all died. Um, Ma- Ma- Margaret Thatcher, the British government, allowed them to die and really all very demanded, and all the Palestinians are demanding, um, are things that relate to the conditions in which they are incarcerated. In other words, they're not asking for anything outrageous. They're not anything asking for anything that cannot be given, anything that will even compromise slightly the security of the prisons or, their, or, or, or will grant them any kinds of freedoms. We're talking about basic, very simple basic things, visitation rights, uh, you know, conditions within the prison, access to school books, access to education, things that will not infringe, that they won't change the fact that they are prisoners for a very long time. Um, and the hunger strikers in, in uh, the Irish hunger strikers too, the IRA volunteers, that's what they were striking for, conditions. Um, and in both cases, the, um, well, I shouldn't say in both cases, because like I said, the, the Irish all died, which was a horrible tragedy. Um, and we all hope, of course, that this won't repeat itself here with the Palestinians. So far, they haven't died. Israel has allowed them to um, continue the hunger strike still really literally moments before death. In other words, the, the severe bodily damage that this um, that hunger strike um, imposes on or, or creates, uh, you know, the, those, da- those damages are irreversible, but at least they, none of them have died. So we don't know what's going to happen here and what Israel is going to do and how far they're going to go. Um, I don't believe they're going to let them die, but I do believe that it's going to be, uh, you know, eyeball to eyeball to the last minute, and we won't know how it's going to end until, and again, I'm guessing based on past, um, on what's happened in the past, that Israel will, at the very last minute, uh, give in and allow them, uh, in, you know, and give in and, and allow them to receive some of the things that they're asking for. Um, but they, but 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 there's this this complete total disregard, and in this and in this and in this they have um, there, there's a similarity between what the Brits did in Ireland and what the Israelis are doing. There's a complete disregard for the well-being of the prisoners. In other words, they are terrorists, and therefore they deserve anything they get. They need to be punished. They need to be harmed. They took it to torture them, force feed them. In other words, there is no regard whatsoever to their well-being as human beings. They are less than human. And um, and that's that, that, that's horrifying. First of all, because it's inhumane. Number two, because we're talking about principled people. We're talking about principled people who have volunteered to 
fight for their independence and their freedom and for justice for their people, number one. They were caught, they were arrested, and they're, of course they, they're serving many, many years in jail. And they have taken upon them probably the, the, the greatest act of sac- self-sacrifice there is, which is a hunger strike. The pain and the suffering and the damage that it causes is beyond anything any of us can, I think, comprehend. Um, and there's a book written about actually the hunger strikers, the Irish ones called 10 Men Dead, which, which describes every moment of the hunger strike and what happens in the body. So um, it's, it's, a hor- it's, it's horrifying how, you know, this disregard, this complete, I would say, criminal disregard um, for the well-being of these people. Well, then, and of course, we have uh, things like the op-eds in the New York Times arguing that uh, this is not, in fact, about uh, about about trying to get better conditions in the prison, but is uh, political jockeying by uh, Marwan Barghouti and an attempt to, quote unquote, rebrand terrorism. And I wonder, uh, as an Israeli uh, who has come through this uh, this conflict your entire life, what your thoughts are on uh, on those responses to the hunger strike? I think those are exactly the kind of responses we can expect from Israel. I mean, Israel is trying to, has always tried to undermine Palestinian, um, the, the legitimacy of the Palestinian resistance, the legitimacy of Palestinian demands for justice and, and freedom and, and so forth. So it's not surprising that they're trying to undermine this as well. I'd like to see any one of those clouds, Israeli generals, Israeli Mossad uh, operatives, uh, members of the Israeli um, uh, political world, do what these guys are doing or how long they would last in a prison like this. Um, It's easy to it's easy to uh, it's easy to um, to try to delegitimize them when you're on the outside and you're the oppressor. Um, but you know this is this is a this is a war that is um, it's ongoing. It's severe. Israel is a very cruel type of enemy. Israel is a cruel type of oppressor. Um, Israel has a huge audience here in the United States and in the West in general, and has the ability to present its case. And they're doing it, I think, in a way that is obviously very shameful. Because to try to discredit these people, like I said earlier, is is shameful. Um, but that's what you would expect. That's exactly what you'd expect from Israel to use all the means at its disposal, including the mass, the, the mainstream media here in the United States, uh, to try to delegitimize what is a legitimate struggle, a legitimate resistance and a legitimate call for, for justice. Well, and of course the most recent, uh, attempt by the Israeli government to discredit the hunger strikers, and particularly Marwan Barghouti, was uh, was releasing a video that purported to show Barghouti eating, uh, although his wife and uh, and many many supporters have said this video is in uh, is doctored and is uh, not actually showing Barghouti. And uh, do you think that's part of of this uh, propaganda campaign to discredit Barghouti, particularly? Yes, again, it's it's typical. It's typical, exactly. It's exactly the way Israel works. I mean, they 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 they, they try to discredit the man who everybody knows is behind this, who's leading this, in a way that is, um, besides the fact that it violates a number of international laws. In other words, by displaying him the way they did. First of all, the, I saw the video. I watched it twice, actually three times. Um, there's no way of knowing if it's him or not because you can't see his face. 
he walks into the restroom and closes the door, and it's really not clear what he's doing in there. And quite frankly, it's quite voyeuristic of anybody to follow somebody into the restroom and try to find out what he's doing there. He comes out of the restroom and washes his hands and then, you know, throws some stuff into the garbage, which is something, you know, I mean, there's nothing there. There's nothing there to show what Israel is trying to show. Um, and, uh, and besides, it takes, as Israel always does, it creates a smokescreen so that people will discuss this instead of discussing the injustices, it's discussing the legitimacy of the hunger strikers, discussing the fact that for over 20 days, I believe it's 24 days now, these men have been on a hunger strike. And again, committing themselves to a, a, a huge act of self-sacrifice, maybe the greatest act of self-sacrifice there is, taking upon them the suffering in order to make these demands, which are legitimate demands. And really, the world isn't paying attention so to, to their plight. The world isn't paying attention to their plight as prisoners or to their plight as Palestinians who have been living uh, under occupation and oppression for almost seven decades. So they've taken it upon themselves to, again, to, to, they put themselves in this, in, this, in this situation where it's an act of self-sacrifice in order to get the world's attention. You know, I, um, I believe when Gandhi went on a hunger strike, it was about 20 days, the world practically stopped. You know, uh, Palestinians are doing it for much longer than that. Nobody seems to care. Um, so again, I, I don't think this whole, this, this, this little game with this video will, um, that they claim is Marwan Barghouti, but I don't believe is, um, is something that we should be discussing. I think it's more important to discuss the fact that Israel has, has, is running out of options. It's running out of argument. It uses the, 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 the most, the, 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 the most base, uh, method in order to try to delegitimize the other side. And you cannot delegitimize the other side because the other side, the Palestinian side, the Palestinian struggle is legitimate and cannot be discredited. Well, and you talked about the uh, suffering of the Palestinians in prison and their um, legitimate demands, as you put it. And I wonder if you could just uh, lay out really briefly, as somebody who has been arrested as an Israeli, uh, what was your experience after being arrested in a nonviolent protest as uh, compared to the Palestinians who are imprisoned in Israel? So when I when when when. Um if a Palestinian is arrested in the West Bank, or anywhere else for that matter, I should say, when a Palestinian is arrested, they know that they're going to be um, blindfolded, shackled, um, handcuffed, beaten, and thrown into a cell. And nobody knows when they're coming home. It could be a day, it could be a year. Nobody knows. They will not get to see an attorney until the interrogators decide that they've uh, cooperated. Um, and then their entire, the, the, the entire process that they go through is a military process. In other words, they are handled by the military justice system or court system. I don't know if you can call it a justice system. There's no justice there at all. When I'm arrested, beaten the West Bank or anywhere else, then um, I get handled very well. Sometimes, from time to time, they'll handcuff me. Sometimes they won't. Um, I get taken to the police station. I have access to a lawyer. Usually the lawyer's already heard that I'm there through social media, so the lawyer's already called and, and making sure that, you know, my, my rights are uh, defended and taken care of. And at the end of the day, after, uh, after some questioning, I go home. 
And then several months later, I'll get a letter uh, stating whether or not they choose to prosecute. Most of the time, they don't prosecute. And all the times I've been arrested so far, they've only prosecuted once. And then it took several years before there was a trial and several more years. You know what I mean? It's just this. It's, it's, it's a nonsense type of it's, it's a it's a hassle, but it's a nonsense type of hassle. There is no comparison. There's not even a, a way to, to, to remotely compare the experience that an Israeli Jew goes through to the experience of a Palestinian. There's absolutely no way to compare because we live under entirely different laws. We live in, in two entirely different realities. Well, and just to take this a little bit broader uh, for the the last few moments that we have you, uh, Miko Peled, I wanted to ask you as uh, somebody who has uh, been a part of this issue, studied this issue, and uh, lived this issue your entire life, you have written recently that uh, that... No dead horse has ever been beaten with more vigor than the so-called Israeli-Palestinian peace talks, and that there is no way out through these so-called peace talks. What do you see as the way out? I know you're a supporter of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, which has recently been criminalized uh, by the U.S. Senate with no senator uh, actually standing up in favor of a boycott, divestment, and sanctions do you feel like uh, Ali Abu Nima that this is the darkest hour before the dawn and there is indeed hope in uh, in this economic pressure campaign that's being waged internationally against Israel or is there uh, no hope at this time? No, I agree with Ali. I think that this is uh, this is perhaps the darkest hour. I don't know if it's the darkest. I mean, we don't know what Israel is capable of. It might get darker before it gets better. But I do think that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think that there are several signs that show that the Palestinian resistance is working. And when I say Palestinian resistance, I mean everything from, you know, Hamas, the work that Hamas does, the BDS movement does, the popular resistance protests, uh, writers and, and cartoonists. And then, you know, I mean, there's a whole range of, uh, of, of types of resistance in which the Palestinians are engaged, work like Ali is doing with electronic intifada and so forth. I mean, there's a whole range of resistance, and I think it's taking it's it's taking its toll on Israel. Um, Israel is terrified of the BDS movement. They're seeing the results very, very clear, which is why they're responding with such, um, you know, it was so aggressively. I mean, today, if you walk around, you, you, if you land Tel Aviv Airport with a T-shirt that says Palestine on it, you will be detained immediately. If you walk around Jerusalem with a T-shirt that says Boycott Israel on it, you will be detained. In other words, they're afraid of the T-shirts. That's how that's how afraid they are. And there are signs within Israel itself that Israeli society is crumbling. You know, the, uh, the education system is falling apart. The healthcare system is falling apart. The justice system is corrupt. I mean, there are all these signs of decay that are signaling that, there's, that, there's, that the big change is around the corner. So I do believe that there is hope. I do believe it's going to come. The change is going to come sooner than most people think. Um, but uh, we have to recognize that it's, uh, it's going to be a very difficult fight. Israel is not going to just lay down and, 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 and disappear one day. It's going to fight vigorously. And we all have to be prepared for, 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 for anything, really, because it's going to be vicious and it's going to be very, very difficult, particularly for Palestinians. Well, and on that note, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this special program. Again, I've been speaking with Miko Peled. He is uh, the author of The General's Son and uh, grew up in Israel as part of a Zionist family and is now a defender of Palestinian equal rights. His website, mikopeled.com, M-I-K-O-P-E-L. 
L-E-D.com if you want to find more of his writing and work. Thank you so much, Miko, for joining us on this special program today. Pleasure. Thank you. What they say about my people If there's one thing we ain't, it is sheeple Why would we give up on our land And allow it's theft Because greed is their creed There'll be nothing left We want justice How is that too much to ask? You won't touch this Cause you're not up to the task Go ahead and lie And call our enemy civilized It won't matter no more When victory strikes I'm hungry For freedom and rights I'm hungry That's the way that I fight I'm hungry, prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged, never tried by the damn forthright final segment this hour with our focus on Palestinian prisoners and the prisoner hunger strike, we go to the state of Washington in the USA. There, hundreds of prisoners staged a hunger strike for better conditions in April of 2017. The prisoners voiced solidarity with the Palestinians, also engaged in a hunger strike at the same time. Counting dollars and pennies Got a question to you When you're done Stacking your twenties Can you spare a few minutes For a man like yours truly Whose only crime Is that he won't bow to a bully I'm not asking you To break me out Cause I'm alright To spend a hundred more years Putting up this fight All I want you to do Is speak out for the truth Don't support a racist state That is violent on coup I'm hungry For freedom and rights I'm hungry That's the way that I fight I'm hungry A prisoner on a hunger strike Never charged Never tried By the damn I'm hungry for freedom and rights. I'm hungry. That's the way that I fight. I'm hungry. A prisoner on a hunger strike. Never charged, never tried by the damn Fourth Reich. I'm hungry for freedom and rights. I'm hungry. That's the way that I fight. I'm hungry. A prisoner on a hunger strike. Never charged, never tried by the damn Fourth Reich. Today we're joined by Marumura Viapando, who has been a staunch supporter for years of uh, the people who have been in immigration facilities in Washington and across the country, and is right now one of the major supporters of uh, the hunger strikers that have an ongoing hunger strike in uh, a couple of different detention facilities at this point. And I wonder if you could just tell us, first off, what the current situation is of the hunger strikers uh, yes, well, both places decided to pause for now the hunger strike um, last week, late last week. In um, Tacoma, people decided to give uh, GEO, the corporation that runs the, the private detention center, another chance. They um, came to the strikers saying that they needed more time to change the menu, which was one of the things they were asking for uh, on their demand. 
and um, they were told that by May 15, that change will happen. So people decided to post for now and wait till May 15 and see if that's actually true. Uh, for the ones that were transferred uh, to Norcor in, in Oregon, in this county jail, Norcor, um, that also began a hunger strike that lasted six days, um, they decided to stop because the administration agreed to some of their demands, uh, providing them with microwaves um, because they only eat one hot meal a day, radios because there's no entertainment whatsoever, programs and jobs which are not available to them, but they're available to the regular jail uh, population. Uh, and so based on that, they also decided to stop and see if there's, uh, although they were not giving a timeline, uh, they're deciding to wait for maybe a week or so and see if there's a specific date when they're supposed to be providing these uh, promises, to actually delivering these promises. And um, if they see that that is not met, then they will come back again. Uh, and we start a hunger strike. And so that's uh, May 15th, and this uh, will actually air on May 15th, and so we'll see if we have an update at that point. Uh, there have been statements of solidarity that have come out from uh, Palestinian prisoners, 1,500 of whom are on hunger strike for more than three weeks now, in solidarity with prisoners in the United States who are on hunger strike uh, with the statement saying that they recognize that the prison system is based on racism, injustice, and exploitation. And I wonder, uh, I understand there's also uh, solidarity statements going out to the Palestinians from the immigrant uh, detainees in some of these facilities. Yes, uh, we have been able to communicate with uh, people inside of the other hunger strikes, um, especially the hundreds of people also in Palestine going through that same situation. Uh, and people have told us they, they want to get somehow the message of solidarity across borders. Um, also, there, there was another hunger strike happening in a prison here in the United States in Riverside, California. Uh, where also hundreds of, of uh, prisoners decided to go on hunger strike. So they were aware of this. Our role was precisely to inform them about it. And for them, it's really critical to build this solidarity and this un understanding of intersectionality of how uh, different systems in different places are operating people of color throughout the world. Well, and... Uh... In another twist of irony, some of the same companies are involved. Uh, the GEO Group is, has contracts with the Israeli government and is also a private prison operator in the United States that operates immigration facilities mainly, um, but also private prisons for U.S. citizen prisoners. And uh, also G4S, the largest security corporation in the world that is involved in uh, and some of these sweeps of, of uh, people who are suspected of being undocumented uh, has contracts with the Israeli military. What do you see as far as the, the corporate connections that are made, uh, and how do the prisoners make those connections? Well, I think that for us it's also clear when we saw how G4S uh, actually changed their name here in the U.S., and we're looking at the possibility of bidding for the contracts of building the wall, the, the promised wall that this new fascist regime has been talking about since uh, the elections last year. Um, so for, for people that come, especially from other places, uh, 
uh, and there are in the detention center that remember, because a lot of the people in the detention center are very young people that were here, arrived here in a, at a very young age. But we have also people that come from other places where they have, uh, they grew up as, as, as adults and then they move here. They see those connections, especially knowing uh, how uh, Palestine is the current uh, example of what it, it happened in our country centuries ago. When uh, I mean hundreds of years ago, where um, we saw the invasion of uh, of our lands and the, and the stolen of our lands, so people do do understand that um, they see the the connection of that first. In this case, the occupation of Palestine, but second, uh, how uh, the oppression of people has been a uh, a point for uh, privatization. So how do you exploit bodies beyond just not only taking their lands and uh, their labor, but even in the process of being in prison or in this case being deported, um, it generates profits. Well, and seeing this solidarity, I think, is important, especially given some of the the history and some of the uh, Central American governments and and populations have uh, have expressed support for Israel through the years, and uh, and maybe there is a, a lack of understanding there uh, in certain places. Certainly, there is in the United States um, where people are not given full information about what's happening on the ground in Palestine. But I think there's also influence, at least I noticed uh, throughout Central America in my travels, this uh, Christians United for Israel had quite an influence. How has that impacted uh, people's uh, idea of what's actually happening in Israel and Palestine? And are are people generally in uh, Central and South America waking up to the reality of the situation in Palestine? Uh, not so much. We we face uh, a lot of people that, because they come running uh, from violence, running from um, different types of uh, oppression, uh, that uh, they, they feel that the only way they can be uh, safe from that violence is to come to this country and try to assimilate. And that means um, going with the mainstream, in this case, pro-Israel, uh, without having this clear understanding of what that actually means, uh, especially for people in Palestine. So I think that this internal oppression that we all carry as people of color, oppressed people, uh, it's much more harder to unpack once we arrive in this country. And we're told that we need to become American, that otherwise we would not be accepted and that we need to even undo all the culture uh, uh, understanding that we have from our country. So although we have some people, especially people from prisons, because l- l- let me remind your audience that we're not talking about undocumented people. Um, we're talking about all, all uh, immigrants, um, even those that are, un- are documented. Um, and we have a large population in the detention center in Tacoma that are uh, especially men, some women too, the, the capacity for uh, men is larger at the detention center than for women, uh, according to the binary of the system, is that um, they uh, they do have a better understanding of some of these uh, politics and international politics that for people that are currently arriving and uh, requesting asylum. So we do see a lot of um, 
uh, pressure, especially from religious entities and for from the far uh, right wing, the ultra right wing arriving in our countries for some years now and um, and building this um, Zionist uh, vision of the world in our in our countries in Mexico and Central America. And how did you yourself come to uh, realize uh, the reality of what's happening to the Palestinian people and become a proponent of Palestinian equal rights? Well, um, I had the opportunity to uh, be educated in Mexico with uh, people that were uh, very aware of different situations throughout the world before arriving in the United States. Um, so I had the chance of learning more about the Israeli occupation as many of us in, I'm from Mexico City, but many of us in Mexico City were supporters of uh, Cuba and, and Palestine and other countries that were trying to, to survive uh, against the, uh, at that moment where it was becoming the neoliberalist, neoliberalistic uh, new regimes. Um, and as I arrived in the United States, I happened to meet some people from Israel, and I was very curious about their point of view. And it was, uh, I was actually, I was also lucky to meet somebody that um, agreed with me. And I remember at that time in the United she even compared Palestinians to Mexicans. And she said, well, I think that we Israelis treat Palestinians like the United States treats Mexicans. And I will never forget that because it really built for me a clearer understanding that our oppression were very, very similar, and therefore we needed to be in solidarity with each other. And how do you see uh, the situation moving forward as far as the immigration prison uh, hunger strikes and the Palestinian hunger strikes? Do you feel that this kind of international solidarity increases the pressure on the companies involved? I think it should. Um, I think that for all, the most important thing is that people that are going on hunger strike, that are doing such a huge sacrifice, you know, putting their health and their bodies on the line, not because of expecting something to be solved today. They know this is a long, long struggle. Um, Just the fact that they know there are other people across the, the other side of the world that understand them and that are willing to do the same types of sacrifices that people are doing here, it can actually bring a lot of power. It could bring a lot of energy. It could bring more than solidarity. It can bring love uh, to say we we are together. They're not alone, which is something we always say when we're outside the detention center. You're not alone. And I think that for people from both sides of, of the the continent, if they they know that there are others going through a similar struggle, very 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 similar struggle, and they're utilizing the same techniques, the same tools, and they're being supported by people in the outside, I think uh, at some point, maybe not today, not tomorrow, but at some point, both will win. Oh, thank you so much for joining us again. We've been speaking with Marumora Viapondo. She is a strong advocate for immigrant rights and a part of NWDC Resistance. NWDC Resistance is a grassroots undocumented-led movement that works to end the detention of immigrants and stop 
all deportations, NWDC being a reference to the Northwest Detention Center, which is the major detention center for immigrants in the Pacific Northwest in Tacoma, Washington. Marumura, thank you so much for joining us on this Radio Free Palestine special today. Thank you. Thank you for listening this hour to our special program on the hunger strike and the plight of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli prisons. This hour was produced by KBOO Radio, the International Middle East Media Center, IMEMC.org, in Bethlehem, and Mohammed Osraf. Shubini, I'm